again. It was like nothing had ever happened. So this is Helfrich's time to kind of cement his legacy as what kind of coach is he for the Oregon Ducks. It's going to be interesting. I think Colorado's starting to get into a habit of winning football games, too. And that's that's a big thing. And, and right now, Oregon, I think, is kind of learning how to lose football games, if that makes sense. And, and they're trying to figure out how to lose a football game correctly because they've never really lost a football game. That You know, they, they get down and they just keep going down and they keep digging themselves a hole. Helfrich had this really weird quote this week where he was like, you know, we just keep going down and down and down and then you take a bowls over and you're trying to stop it or, or something really weird. The point is... Oregon doesn't really know how to battle once once they're they've hit their head down. They did that in that in the Florida State game last year, but th- they really haven't shown that they can. You know, if they're tied late in a game, that they can go at it and all of a sudden take over a game. You know, they haven't really done that. They haven't been in that situation in the fourth quarter. And you know, you're looking at Folsom Field and. Pretty recently, Folsom Field was named one of the toughest places to play in college football. And you're looking at campus right now, and you're looking at the possible atmosphere with this game with 8,000 rally tiles, with the black and silver attack, and the and all the things that the Folsom Frenzy are going to do, and the possibility for there to be 50,000 fans. Folsom is going to be a very tough place for this Oregon team to play. And like I said earlier, Oregon is a younger team. This isn't the upperclassmen team that they've been around for a while. And this is their first road test. Their, their first road test in the Pac-12, they, they faced Michigan State and East Lansing. But th- there's something different about Pac-12 football, and, and, and they're going to have to face this Colorado team in what's going to be a tough environment in prime time. There's going to be a lot of jitters. And Colorado might actually have an older team than Oregon if you look at it across the board. Uh, so I, I'd almost give you know an edge in seniority to Colorado, which is which is really weird when you think about it. It is and, weird. And you were saying you'd go position by position, and you're like, okay, well, Colorado actually is better at some of these positions. Yeah, no doubt. And and that's really weird to think about. I can't really wrap my head about it because I look at Oregon and I see Colorado. Oregon's going to win the game, and then you start to look into it. Yeah, I mean this. So. The statement I'm about to make is going to get me destroyed. I can guarantee you that right oh, now. Oh, great. CU, in a way, must feel – it must feel for CU right now what CSU feels like when they go into the Rocky Mountain Showdown. Because Oregon – you know, we all talk about how CU – and we're going to wrap football up in a couple minutes, but – we always talk about how CU, when they go into RMS, is in a no-win situation. They win, they're supposed to. If they lose, it's horrible. It's the it's the big game for CSU. They put all their eggs in it. It's a big psych-up game, and everybody's excited because they've been the underdog for so long, and they they you know they've consistently lost. And when you look at this game. It's like the roles are flipped. Oregon is playing the CU to CU's CSU, if that makes any sense. You know, because Oregon, they don't want to try and give this much attention. They don't want to think, you know, it's not a rivalry, but they don't want to think, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is just another game. It's not that big of a deal. We're not at DEFCON yet. We're not, you know, this isn't a big deal. We're not in panic mode. They don't want to give Colorado's football program the opportunity to think that they're on the same level as Oregon's football program. Exactly, and CU is a team that having won three games now, having felt very very comfortable with this is ready and they're ready they're hungry they want to go out and prove it the way that I always view CSU as wanting to prove something to CU and obviously it's in a different scenario it's rivalry Mountain West versus Pac-12 but in just how the conversations have been with players and coaches this week and hearing what's been coming out of Eugene it just sounds eerily similar 
and you have all the momentum on the Buff sides, yep. let alone the three wins. You have Craig Watts that just committed. You have Julamisi and Huntley in this weekend to visit CU. You have a ton of momentum building towards the towards the Buffaloes. Yeah, some of it's manufactured with the silver and black thing and the new uniforms and whatever. But I don't think that's manufactured. It's a little bit manufactured. There are events that happen. I mean, what do you expect people to just, you know, we, well, we they should be manufacturing that. But are. Like, yeah, point point is, they have they have momentum in their direction, going the right direction for the first time in a long time, and I think that's why everyone is so excited right now. There's hope. There's potential for this team. Everyone sees it. You know. Last year, we started to see a little bit of it with, with the talent, the possibility of this team, and people started to get excited, even though it was a two-win football game. But now, Colorado fans and Colorado media see, okay, well, dang, this team can actually win football games, let alone they're talented. They can win a few football games. Yeah, you know what? They've only won two. You know, they won two games they, they should have won, and you know they lost a game that was close. They won a game that was close, whatever. This is going to be their test. And I don't even know after this game if I will really know who this Buffaloes team is because I'm not sure who the Oregon team is. And I'm not sure after that game if I'll know who the Buffaloes team is because I don't really know who Arizona State is or Arizona. So I think the next three games as a whole, we're going to learn a lot about this Buffs team. I'm not ready to say they can beat Oregon, and I'm not ready to say the Buffs can go to a bowl. But I am ready to say the Buffs are legit for the first time in a long time. 7.05 here on Friday Night Live, Radio 1190, KVCU Boulder, the AM Revolution. Before Josh Scott joins us at 7.10, let's talk a little bit about basketball. Shat practices started today, the first set of official practices for Colorado basketball. The media day will be sometime in the, uh, in the next two to three weeks. And, of course, we will have all that information for you as it comes along and is relayed to us. But... What were some of your immediate takeaways from the players that uh, have that talked to the media and what Coach Boyle had to say today? Uh, Coach Boyle was actually pretty revealing in what he had to say, and I hope we can we have enough time to play his audio. Maybe maybe for a minute. I don't know if we will. Yeah, we should. But I- if you haven't heard it, you can go over to BSN Denver and check out uh, Boyle's pre- uh, media address from today. He had some really interesting things to say. He pretty much guaranteed Dominique Collier uh, the starting point guard job. Uh, said it was his to lose, uh, which you know is not shocking. But you know you thought Xavier Talton would at least get a chance in there. My well, my big wonder and the reason that I was the one who asked asked the question in the point guard spot was I I had wondered how all in they were on Dom because such a big uh, much ado has been made about the fact that he has gained a ton of weight uh, from what Adam Munster Tiger at Rivals said. He's gained 18 pounds. He he's looks a from, lot bigger, he does. too, man. He absolutely does. He's gone from 172 to 190, and I really did wonder if there was anybody who would even contend for that spot because last year, while Dom was for all intents and purposes the starting point guard. He wasn't filling that Spencer Dinwiddie type role and the one contention I've always made is that Colorado's in, in Tad Boyle's tenure has had a had a, an NBA quality player whether that be at the guard or the forward spot to kind of cover a few of CU's mistakes. Um, Dom wasn't that guy. He wasn't ready yet and I think it was interesting to hear that Tad said basically yeah He's the guy this year. He will be the guy this year, and and we're looking for him to be that dude in in the backcourt along with Josh Fortune. Yeah, and, you know, he said the guy for the team, the guy is going to be Josh Scott. Oh, easily. He taught one of the most interesting things he said, in my opinion, was he talked about, uh, and, of course, this is my question, um, just because you said that, too. um, 
you know, we I, gotta do the plugs. I mean, sure, shamelessly plugging ourselves. <laughs> uh, I asked, you know, what's different in this team? You know, what's the difference between last year and this year? And he talked about the mentality. You know, he said last year was up and down. It was kind of a little reference to a ski a booker, in my opinion. Oh, he totally said, was. I, yeah, so but I'm not ready shots. to put words in his mouth. <laughs> uh, you know, he said that you know the last year's team's attitude was up and down and there wasn't really good grasp and you know our leadership was a little haywire a little bit last year and then he talked about Josh Scott. Josh Scott's our leader. It's going to be a little bit more mellow this year. We kind of know what direction we're going in. There's not going to be an overreaction to anything and people forget Josh Scott's a junior. You know, he, he's he's an older guy. You know, uh, Andrew's looking at me like are you serious? Josh Scott's a junior? Yeah, Josh Scott's a junior. I always thought he was my age. No, uh, he... No, wait. He might be a senior He now. is a senior. Yeah, yeah he I was came thinking in the same year I did. I'm thinking of Wesley Gordon because they redshirted yes. him, and they gave the option to Wesley or Josh which one was going to redshirt. So, yeah. sorry. Uh, but my point is Josh is a senior now. He has the veteran leadership. He's been around for a while, and that's, that's, that's valuable to a team. Uh, whether or not Josh can really speak up uh, is going to be huge because we know Josh is a little bit of a quieter guy. So I think Josh is really going to have to, to go out of his comfort level a bit and try and find that leadership role. Yeah, and, and we're going to hear from Josh uh, in a couple minutes here. He's going to call in. And the one thing that I have always been very impressed about uh, in terms of Josh is that he's never been one to put himself into the story or put, uh, you know, put himself into the center of any controversy. And the one thing that Tab Oil said in response to your question was last year the highs were high and the lows were low. And I think that that speaks to – the senior uh, to the senior leadership at the time, and while Skia Booker was a record breaker, while he will go down statistically as one of the better CU players ever, um, as far as leadership went, I don't, I personally don't think he was the guy last year, and I think that they put a lot on him, and he, uh, I don't know if he didn't want it or he uh, didn't know how to deal with it, but it just something was it wasn't there. Something didn't click with a ski booker and leader. Those two words didn't mesh, you know. In his playing style, he's just a little bit too selfish. I, I don't think as a person he's selfish. I just think in the way he plays, is selfish, and I don't think he really knows how to play any other way. And that's okay. That's just how he plays basketball. Uh, I do want to bring this up because Tad said this almost right out of the gate, and this guy isn't going to play this year, but he, he Tad talked about how good he uh, is, yes. and that's Derek White. Uh, he's a transfer from uh, UC Colorado Springs, uh, came out of Legend High School. He's going to be a redshirt uh, uh, senior uh, next year, and uh, Derek White looks to really make an impact on this team next year, but going back to a guy who transferred in last year, that's Josh Fortune, and Josh Fortune, I think the most valuable thing Josh Fortune adds to the buffs is his shooting. Uh, we all know that Josh can shoot the lights out, and uh, I'm really excited to see a guy on the buffs who can actually score the rock from deep because that hasn't uh, really factored into the buffs for a while. Oh, we're about to get Josh guy. Josh, can you hear us? Nope. Nope. We're going to try this. One more time. The phone lines are, are still down here. Uh, you were telling me to wrap it up. I was trying to stall for you. Oh, well, you know, what, what do you want out of me? The phone lines, unfortunately, here at 1190 are still kind of a, a bit funky. So we're going to try and catch Josh one more time. I'll hopefully. talk about Brett Brady while, while we're in the meantime. We could definitely do that. <laughs> uh, Brett Brady's another guy who can shoot. Uh, I don't think he'll make any impact on this team. Uh, 
looks like we're getting Josh right now. Great. Yep, we have Josh Scott, starting center of the University of Colorado basketball team. Josh, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Good. Uh, living life. <laughs> just the just the normal thing, huh? Yeah, same old, same old. Same old, same old. So practice started today, and uh, of course, you know, the media, we, we had a field day with it, as we always do whenever a season starts. How did you uh, how did you feel coming into practice? Was it nice to finally officially start the season? Uh, it was nice. Excited to be back out there, um, especially after a long summer. It's just nice to be on the court playing again, and for me and, you know, three other guys, this is our senior year, so... You know, it's kind of it's kind of weird to have your first, well, your last first practice. I hope I said that right. Yeah, you, you got it. We we heard you. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, last year. We won't hang on it too much. Um, we'll also go into this year and just a little bit of an outlook. Um, so when when you look at last year's team, um, you know the leadership and, and Coach Boyle said this. The, the there was a bit of a leadership gap in there last year. Um, so is there a difference between 2015 and, and what will be in 2016 as far as leadership on the court goes? Um, I think the main difference is that um, this squad, I think, understands that if we want to avoid last year's, um, what happened last year, I think, you know, they're just, we're, all of us are just going to accept criticism um, and not get sensitive about it. And for, for me personally, it's just, you know, it's my last year and I have to step up into that role, and if there's no better time than now than being a senior, otherwise, if you let what happened last year happen again, it's not a fun way to go out. And it's a little different. Josh, Jake Shapiro joining you. Uh, what is different for you this year? What are things you worked on in the summer? I know you spent the summer in Boulder with the rest of the team. What are some things you tried to work on in your game? I know, you know, people have criticized you for not being as tough, and I know you added a little bit, little bit of strength onto your body the last two years. What are some things you've worked on the la this summer? Well, I mean, I've never heard that criticism, I think. <laughs> Uh, I think I can just say when I was healthy, I was the first team all Pac-12, so if I wasn't tough enough to prove that out. Um, but, you know, I think in terms of just this summer, uh, I just kind of, you know, worked on just being healthy. I worked on my body getting stronger. I like my weight at 245. I move well. Um, I play center here. Um, probably will play power forward probably in the future, but worked on my jump shot and honestly just tried to work on my skills and I think I improved. So I'm, you know, excited to have a really good senior year and, you know, take it to some people. I, I'm just telling you, I absolutely loved that comeback. That I think that just made my night, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> so, um, I haven't heard that before, but yeah. every day. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the back injury uh, for you last year was kind of consistently nagging. Um, how's the back doing now? Are you fully healthy going into this year? Completely healthy and plan on staying that way. Good, <laughs> good. Not going to have another year like last year. Good to hear, good to hear. Um, you know, there was some things at the end of the season um, that there was uh, talk of a lack of senior leadership in the spring. Um, as a senior, is there anything that you've done or that you can do to change that narrative and make sure that the senior leadership is strong this year? Uh, I think one thing that I've kind of, you know, uh, realizes that it's it's really important to hold people accountable. Um, 
you can't always be someone's friend. Sometimes you have to say stuff that's tough and not be someone's favorite and kind of, you know, make sure someone knows that they're not doing something all right, but also to encourage people when they do do something uh, correctly. But I think last year's team kind of proved that we spent a whole lot of time not saying the hard things um, rather than saying the hard things that we should have to each other. And this year, um, you know, it's going to be different in terms of that. And I, I welcome and everybody else is welcoming criticism, which is a good sign for our team. Josh, who's a guy on your team that has really made strides this summer, a guy who's impressed you? Uh, I'll give you two names. Uh, Trey, uh, Trey has really become a knockdown shooter, um, and even how he's playing the game, you can just tell that he's confident in what he's doing, and I think that's going to be big time. And even defensively, he's gotten a whole lot better. It's starting to starting to really click for him. And then I think people are going to be shocked at Dom because Dom's put on a lot of weight and he's worked hard in the off season. Kind of reminds me of me when I went from a freshman to sophomore putting on weight, and all that can do is just add confidence. I think both of them are probably going to have. Um, good years so Josh um, when you look at the uh, the two European players that have been brought in Keenan Gazanich and Thomas Akizili is there really from your perspective as a player uh, a marked difference in the playing style of European based guys to maybe the American players uh, I would say that they're very skilled um, you know I haven't got I haven't gotten to play with very many Europeans in my career um, but if they're all like Thomas and Kenan then they're all very skilled players and uh you know they work extremely hard um i've been really impressed with how both of them tireless 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 i've been really impressed with how hard they work they have the work ethic and um you know especially thomas coming in trying to play point guard um he has a tough job and so it's really impressive how he comes in and watches film, um, works on his jump shot, and tries to get better every day. And that's, you know, same with Ken. And they both work really hard at their craft, and it's cool to see young guys do that. I know it's early, but do you have any goals in mind for this season, or do you have any team goals in mind for this season that you would like to share with us? Um, I think the main goal is we're just going to ride the train and get back to the NCAA tournament. Um, we obviously want to win the Pac-12, as every other team does. Um, but I think our main goal is to um, show show people that last year was a fluke. And, you know, for multiple reasons, it was a fluke. Um, and we just want to get back to playing Colorado basketball. So, Josh, when, when you see uh, the injury to Xavier Johnson, people are saying that he might be back uh, as early as midseason. Some saying it might be a bit longer than that. Uh, how has the team kind of rebounded in the sense of getting players uh, to fill the void, um, not only from a scoring, rebounding perspective, but also from that uh, you know, mental aspect of, of getting um, you know, a position in the wake of XJ's injury? You know, I think um, all of us, you know, it, it hurt all of us seeing XJ go down. Um, people don't know this, but XJ looked the best he ever looked um, right before he got hurt, and he's about to have a monster year. So it's going to be really hard to replace a player like XJ and a personality like XJ, too. He can get you going. Um, but I, I think in terms of replacing that and kind of repairing it, I think we have talented guys coming in, and, you know, George King, um, Fletch, uh, Fletch is going to get more minutes. Um, we have Fortune coming in, and I think, you know, if everybody steps up their game a little bit, you know, 
everybody's gotten better i think in terms of making a production we should be fine um, it's boy do wish that we had them um i know that i wish i do it's kind of sad that i don't get to finish my career with them the same way i started it and that's kind of sad. i think everybody else is just kind of like, like you know um we just got to pick up the pieces. Uh, I mean, the year continues on, but we feel real bad for him. I mean, but he's taking it real well. So there's that, and the way he's working, who knows? He might be back by midseason. So talk a little bit about Josh Fortune. He's a guy that a lot of us have seen him practice, but you know, the only real game film we have of him is is a couple games at Providence. Do you think he's going to be a guy that that's really going to play a, a big role for the team, and especially in that gap in the two left by Ski? Uh, yes, I do. I think when you look at Fortune, one thing that me as a post player that sees double teams, I'm excited because he's a knockdown shooter. Probably, if not the best, one of the best shooters that I've um, you know played with while I've been here at CU. And so for me, it's exciting to, you know, we'll have more space on the floor. This is a way better shooting team than we had last year. Um, and Fortune really adds to that because he's had the experience. He's played at Providence. Um you know, this is new. To, he's not a freshman. He's been there, done that, and so it's nice to bring somebody in that's already had that experience and has really talented. Josh, what have you seen out of your front court mates, uh, Wesley Gordon and Tory Miller? Tory Miller making the jump from freshman year to sophomore year, and Wesley Gordon now an upperclassman. What what can you tell us about their games right now? Well, Tory's more mature um, in terms of his basketball intelligence. Uh, I think. With Tori, it's all about, um, you know, mindset and how he goes into the game. And I think he's really starting to get and understand the game, um, which is, you know, most people. And when he does that, he has all the physical skills and attributes and all the amazing stuff that sometimes I wish I had to, you know, dominate the game. And um, he's starting to develop that sense. Um, but in terms of Wesley, Wesley, He's cool. Uh, he's good. He's always been good. People don't know how good he is, but he's really good. Um, one thing I'm really um, looking forward to is when at the day where everybody realizes how good Wesley Gordon really is because uh, he makes up for a lot of people on defense. Uh, he's a great passer. He gets me a lot of buckets, that's for sure. So I'm uh, in terms of Wesley, Wesley's, Wesley's all right. And he's, he's doing fine, and uh, he's killing it like usual. So when you look at this team going forward, I, I know you mentioned right the ship, but is, is there any particular uh, a benchmark? Is it, is it tournament? Is it 20 wins? Uh, Coach Boyle talked about uh, getting back to winning championships. Um, the Pac-12 is a conference that really reloaded as far as, as recruits go, have gone. Do you think CU has the talent to, to make a long run into the Pac-12 tournament and into the NCAAs? Uh, yes, I do. And honestly, I don't really – Hype is nothing until it's proven on the court and at this level. Um, I've seen talented recruits come in and not do what they're supposed to. It means nothing behind coming in. So for us, it's just playing hard and playing our style of basketball and trying to make it back to the tournament, competing for a championship in the Pac-12, and that's what we're going to do. Um, that's kind of our goal, our mission, and what we're fighting for this year. 
Josh, I, I know it's really hard to do this, and it's okay if you can't answer this question, but you guys play on some big stages this year. That Iowa State game seems really appealing. You guys play Auburn in the in the 24-hour classic thing, and then you got all those games against the Colorado schools, Air Force, Northern Colorado, Fort Lewis, Colorado State. Are, is there, and you even go to Vegas, is there a game that you're looking forward to this year that you, you can tell us? Uh, I mean, Honestly, looking forward to Iowa State because that's our first game. Pretty excited for the first game of the year. Uh, but completely honest, uh, I'm looking forward to CSU. Uh, I would like to, you know, there's some shifts that need to be righted in that situation. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a, you know, it's a little reminiscent. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, your former teammate, was always the guy who he, he loved poking that bear and, and absolutely loved the fact that uh, you guys got to kind of pick on CSU a little bit. Are you kind of taking up that mantle from him? I don't think anybody can take up uh, that bannerment from Spencer. Spencer, Spencer. I'll never try to be Spencer. <laughs> that's, just, that's just too much drama I don't even want. But I will say this, I you know can't do another year like last year. That was That was no fun. So uh, the last question that uh, I have for you uh, before you go is, you know, when you look at this year, I mean, is it is it kind of uh, nostalgic in a way that, you know, you want to leave a mark and, and leave a legacy? You personally, um, this being your last year at the school and having been at Colorado or, or you know, in the state for pretty much your whole life? Uh, I mean, I don't really think about it too much. And that's just the honest truth, because I think I'd drive myself crazy if I did. But I will say it's kind of surreal to think that this could be my last year playing in Colorado. Uh, it's kind of bittersweet, um, but eventually, you know, we all have to move on to the next chapter in life and plan on making the most of this year. And then, you know, we'll see where the chips lo- uh, the chips the chips fall down to. You know, where they align, where I go. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe I'll end up in Denver. Who knows? <laughs> we'll see. It would it would be nice. It really would. We'd love to keep seeing you playing on the next level. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. Let's go, Josh Scott, center of the University of Colorado basketball team. Josh, we appreciate you being on with us on a uh, on a Friday night. We've uh, probably taken some of your time, so uh, go <laughs> go have some fun. <laughs> yeah, thanks. All right, Josh. Good night. Thank you. Josh, Josh does love Boulder. Oh yeah, and and honestly, Boulder loves Josh Scott. I I, I really think that um, we're gonna look back on Josh Scott and. Uh, maybe maybe this is just me, but I think Josh has been a guy who has been severely underappreciated here in Boulder. Um, in the wake of Deron Davis uh, leaving Colorado out of his top three, you kind of realize that in-state recruits that are good are not necessarily all that willing to go to Colorado sometimes. And... You know, while Josh wasn't uh, Deron Davis coming out of school, you know, he wasn't a national recruit since he was in eighth grade, but he he was really somebody who, who could have gone uh, a couple different directions, and he came to play at CU, and he's always been a great, reliable player. He's always been a team player. He's never, um, you know, he's never put himself at the center of drama or controversy, and I really do admire that uh, about him. He's always just been a guy who's about his craft and about his game. I thought a couple comments he, he made were pretty interesting. Um, the CSU comment, I loved, and I, I love the... Uh, 
I've never heard that criticism that I thought was pretty great, too. Well, well that criticism comes from uh, me. I'll be straight up honest. I, I've, I just, one, well, I haven't called him soft, but I've just said, you know, uh, you know, I, I think he, he can he could be a bully down low, and he hasn't really been a bully. And I, I love his answer to that because that's a bully's mentality answer. So I, I, I put him on the spot with that, but you, sometimes you got to put a guy on the spot. Now, I loved his answers. I loved that he was straight up honest with us about both the NCAA tournament, Colorado State, and who's impressed him. You know, Josh Scott gave us some pretty good quotes there. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. That's the one really nice thing, and I gotta hand it to the sports information department. You know, we're a student radio station. We, you know, we do a lot of stuff here, um, but for us to be able to get the guests that we get in terms of players, coaches, um, you know, other media members, I mean, it's, it's really, really nice because it puts a nice show together. Uh, Josh Scott, really, I mean, gave us a, a lot of really good material in there and the analysis of, of all this material will come from the rumbling buffalo himself ben burrows he will he will be on in just a couple minutes um we're gonna grab him but we will take a quick couple minute break while we get mr burrows the phone line here is still down as you probably know at this point so we're gonna make sure that we have mr burrows for you but until then, we're going to leave you. Uh, I will I will find a prize to give to somebody who can tweet me this song if they know what it is. I'd, I'd be, frankly, very impressed. Stop talking and go to commercial. Yeah. That was a pretty quick break. If you didn't know the song, it's The Small Faces, Ogden's Nut Gone Flake, which is, you know, kind of a weird name for a song, but it's the GTA 5 theme. So we're going to try and see if we can uh, connect Ben on the on the auxiliary uh, ben, line can here. can you hear us? Yes. Hey, what's going on, guys? Happy Ooh, Friday. Ooh, we figured goodness. out how to work out the board. Joe, we don't need Joe, you. Yep, we Joe, don't need you. Listening, we're, we're Stay in Arkansas or Missouri, <laughs> wherever you are. Ben, it's good to hear from you, man. We're really happy that you can make it on with us tonight. Uh, excited. Uh, thank, thank you for having me. Uh, this is a first. Uh, uh, really like the show so far and uh, excited to talk some hoops. Well, I really appreciate that. And of course, if you guys don't know Ben Burroughs, Ben is probably what we talked about right at the beginning of the show. Ben writes what I would consider to be probably the best basketball preview on Colorado that you're going to find. I don't think there's going to be I don't think there's a better one out there. You can find him on Twitter at Rumblin Buffalo, R U M B L I N Buffalo, and you can follow his blog at rumblinbuff.blogspot.com. Yeah, give you give you the nice little social plug. So so Ben, you heard Josh's um, 
you heard his interview. What were the biggest comments that that stood out to you? What did you like and dislike? Uh, I loved right at the right at the top. I love the fact that he went straight to the NCAA tournament when he was when he was talking about goals for the year. Uh, you know, ending 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 the season last year in the CBI is is sort of beneath where I think the the, the program is at this point. Uh, to have him immediately say we're we're going back to the tournament. That's where we're that's where we're trying to get. Uh, that's huge. Um, that, that's exactly where I want his focus. Want the team's focus, the coaching staff's focus. Um, we as as Colorado basketball, we need to be back in uh, in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and and the the really intense thing that I thought about uh, when I heard Josh's comments was the fact that you know he, he didn't particularly take shots at at the leadership last year, but you know you could tell that there was a bit of a split going on in that locker room. Did you get that same vibe, or am I going crazy here? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, I was starting to put together uh, the first uh, first parts of my of my season preview, and the word that I kept putting down on paper was sour. You know the the atmosphere on the court, uh, the atmosphere seemingly off the court in the stadium among the fans everywhere was sour last year, and I think that comes down a lot to the leadership on the team. From my perspective, you would see two, three, four teams at any given time, very clickish almost, um, and and I I don't want to put it all on Ski. I think that's unfair to him. Um, you know, it, it it might just be a situation where. The leadership was thrust on him by default because he was the only senior who was on scholarship um, and that he had to take a mantle that really wasn't his style. Uh, and so I, I don't want to put too much of blame, quote unquote, on Ski for that, but um, it certainly trickled down through the rest of the team and, and led to a, a pretty, quote unquote, sour season. Ben, looking towards this season, uh, first off, what are you looking forward to? And second off, what can you uh, – What's going to tell you that there's a difference in this team compared to last team? What are you looking for? Well, I think uh, I think it's a combination. Uh, the answer is, is combining both those factors. I was listening to uh, Tad's comments today, which you guys referenced earlier, um, and he talked about immediately a return to defense and rebounding. Um, you, we, we call it Tad ball. We, we, we throw that around on social media a lot, Tad ball. Um, for, for Tad, it's defensive rebounding percentage and and a lot of little metrics like that. Um, you saw last year a massive decline in both our de uh, Colorado's defensive efficiency, rebounding stats, you know, across the board. And it, and it showed there was an attention paid towards in improving offense. It might have been an overreaction to the way the team played after Spencer was injured two years ago, um, and, and maybe some of the way we've played in the, the tournament the, uh, the, the two previous times against Illinois and Pittsburgh. But, but that that focus on offense seemed to take away from from defense, the hallmark of Tad Boyle's Colorado era, um, and 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 taking a step back there on the on the defensive end was, was critical uh, to to where the team ended up last season. So for him to come out and say we're going back to defensive rebounding, that's that's something I really keyed on right away. Yeah, and you know the one really interesting thing that you know Tad kind of talked about is that. He, he said that they don't necessarily uh, talk about last year, but it's in the back of everybody's mind. It's something that's that's really heavily ingrained in it. Um, when you look at this team, I mean, 
there's new faces and fresh faces, and obviously uh, the all of the other side stuff that was going on between players and clicks, if you will, is kind of disappeared. But does this team to you look really all that different from last year's team? Uh, sure it does. Um, when, when you talk about Dom Collier being more mature, um, you know, not having a point guard, not having a real solid point guard situation, because he wasn't really a point guard. Um, you know, not having a really solidified point guard position really changes the the dimension of, of both your offense and your defense. Um, so, so having a solidified point guard position, you know, tag coming out right away, Dom's our point guard, fair enough. Um, that's going to uh, immediately change what we're looking at. Um, you know, having guys like Josh Fortune, you know, Josh Scott just was, was just talking with you guys, knockdown shooter. That's something you know ski can can ski came and went and it is knocked down shooter miss uh but but if josh fortune really is that guy it really is that guy to knock down shots constantly and take pressure off the the interior post offense and it opens up and there's flow and there's passing and josh Scott is getting one-on-one touches you know that that'll make things look really awesome on the offensive end and then if you and then you know having a healthy josh Scott, having um you know you know guys like Wes Gordon, you know, even more mature, ready to uh, wreak havoc defensively in the post. I, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for this team to, to really sort of reinvent itself, even with a lot of the same pieces. Ben, if there's one guy that will impact the team more than anyone else to where you say, if this guy does this, Colorado will, you know, compete for the Pac-12 championship, or if this guy does this, Colorado will go to an NCAA tournament. Who is that guy? Uh, it, it's easy to say Josh Scott. He's a all-Pac-12 performer, caliber performer, and he's done it in the past. Um, his numbers in March last year, 20 and 11, all seven games, um, show you what kind of player he can be. But, but it's almost like I expect that from him, and I expect him to be able to put up those numbers. It's more the X factors. Is Dom Collier ready to take the step forward with a little bit more maturity and size? Is he able to score in the paint? Um, is he able to really facilitate the offense and really run the offense, really be that quarterback almost of, of running the show uh, and, and hit his interplay with Josh Fortune? I know it's kind of a cop-out, but let, let's say two, Don Collier and Josh Fortune. If both of those guys step up, if both of those guys can be what we hope, then yes, Colorado is going back to the NCAA tournament. So the one little nugget that Josh told us, and for me it was kind of a stake in the heart of saying, you know, I haven't said this to anybody, but Xavier Johnson was poised for an absolutely monster year. Um, you know, he goes on to say that there's people there to fill that role, but it's tough to fill a role like uh, what XJ provides on both sides of the ball and his energy that he brings to the court. So uh, when you look at that that three spot and four spot that, you know, he kind of plays in both capacities, who do you see to be the person to take over uh, the the shoot will really fill the shoes that XJ's leaving. It's got to be Treshawn, uh, Treshawn Fletcher. Um, he, he he's not as athletic, he's not as versatile as Xavier Johnson, and few are. Um, but Treshawn has a lot of the same characteristics. He's got about the same size. He can do a lot of the same little uh, tweener roles, uh, filling a bunch of different positions. Um, he can be a shooter. He can be a slasher. He can be a defender. He can defend most, multiple positions. If we're if we're going to see someone really step into Xavier's role, and I and I I really caution about thinking about it like that. Um, you know, I, I think any any coach will tell you you don't replace a guy, you 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 sort of work around <laughs> that uh, that situation. Um, but if but if you're really looking for someone to be X, uh, XJ Xavier Johnson, it's got to be Trayson Fletcher. I 
I think there's some hope uh, that George King, uh, now off of uh, redshirt season, um, will, and he's got, you know, he's got some of the similar attributes. He's got good size, good athleticism, good speed, can play a bunch of different positions. Um, you know, he could also kind of fill that gap, but it, it, it's Trayshawn Fletcher. He's got to be that guy. He's got to, he's got to start. He's got to play huge events. You know, we saw last year the two biggest problems were probably shooting and perimeter defense. Uh, you know, you're looking at this roster right now, and they have some additions in that backcourt, but I'm still really unsure. Do you think there's going to be a point in the season where we're going to figure out who this Buffs team is and we're going to say, hey, you know, they're this or that? Or do you think it's going to be kind of a, 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 a process like it was last year where we, you know, were half the year we thought they were one team and then half the year we thought they were another team? Do, do you think this team has an identity built, and, and do you think that can help them? Yeah, I think you're going to find out a lot right away. The, the, you know, you're starting out not necessarily in a true road game. Iowa State's being played at a, a really small gym in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, but then you turn around and, and, and travel to a true road game uh, against Auburn down in Alabama. Uh, same week, right off the bat, uh, both on ESPN networks. You're going to find out a lot about the team right away. Uh, those are two really difficult situations and, and, and not completely unwinnable. You know, Iowa State, new coach. We don't really know what direction they're going in. You've got Auburn, who I'm not really sold on on what they're doing down there in in, uh, in Alabama. Uh, and SEC basketball is always sort of a toss up. Uh, but you're going to know a lot right away. Now, following up on that, um, if there's still any questions left over, that stretch trip to CSU, coming right home and playing BYU, that'll be your definitive answer. We, we'll know well before Vegas. We'll know well before Pac-12 play what this team's going to look like. So when you look at the the guard uh, group right now, it's pretty obvious that Dom Collier and Josh Fortune will probably be the two starters. I mean, Coach Boyle said as much uh, in regards to Collier. But when you look down the list, it's not exactly all that deep. So if you were Tad Boyle in this situation, who would you have as as your next line of of guards, whether that be you know people like Stalls or Talton or uh, or any others? Uh, it, it, you're right. It is a little, uh, a little weak. Uh, losing John Hopkins that hurts. Um, that hurts that depth. He was going to be a huge cog in, in, in that backcourt situation. Um, and you don't know what you're going to get from Thomas Akizili coming over from Belgium. Uh, and I don't think after three years of Watson and play that we really know what, what we're going to get from Xavier Talton, uh, or maybe we do, and it's a bad answer. I don't know. Um, but if, if I'm Tad Boyle, I'm I'm looking at Dom Collier and I'm looking at Josh Fortune. I'm hoping they play a lot of minutes. Who are you most excited to see this season? Ooh, interesting. Um, maybe Tory Miller. I know that's that's sort of that's sort of off the cuff, uh, but uh, the big the big fella. I, I think if he got his body right, and I think he got his head right, um, I think he could be a very interesting player off the bench. Uh, you lost a lot of hustle and focus um, when uh, when Dustin Thomas left. Uh, you, you look at a guy like Tory Miller sort of being an X-Factor off the bench, maybe a seventh guy, eighth guy. Um, I, I'm interested to see what he looks like. Uh, ben, I got one more for you here uh, coming from my side. You know, the shot clock this year in college basketball is dropping from 35 to 30 seconds, and you referenced Tad Ball already. Part of that Tad Ball is running the shot clock all the way down to 34 seconds. Tad's not going to have an opportunity to do that this year. H how do you think that affects his offense? What do you think we're going to see from him? Is there going to be some drastic strategy change, or is it just going to kind of hurt the buffs? No, I don't see that. Um, if you watch college offenses last couple years, 
it's not that they're taking up the full 35. It's that they're wasting a couple seconds and then getting into their offense, really. Maybe it takes away, uh, maybe it takes away a, a third attack from an opposing offense, uh, and, and that actually probably helps see you. Um, but um, but I, I don't see a, a large effect. Um, I'm, I'm one of those people who, who doesn't really look at that change in the new rules. There's a whole bevy of rules. Um, I don't really look at that one as being a real real key. I think that's more fluff. I like uh, more of the changes in the paint and some of the other uh, the other fringe rules that I'm a little bit more excited about. So Ben, one more question before we let you go. You know, you build the massive preview, and it is something that puts a Bill Simmons column to shame. So walk us through that entire process of of writing these things. You know, when does it start? How do you uh, go about doing it? Um, and and what is the end product? What do you want it to look like? Uh, well, uh, it, it, it's certainly a long process, as the workout can probably imply. <laughs> um, it starts uh, kind of as soon as the previous season ends. Um, I'll, I'll I'll put aside a little little notepad, and it'll just be like little thoughts throughout the summer. Maybe articles I hear, maybe little phrases that pop into my head while I'm driving home from work. Um, I'll jot them down, uh, and, I'll, and I'll start putting things together. Uh, looking forward uh, toward uh, the, the, the fall, but I don't really start writing per se. Go write about now. Um, I started about a week ago, really setting up the the preview, kind of putting the structure in place, and and adding some some paragraphs. This weekend, I'll start writing about players and putting their stuff together. Uh, maybe I'll do you know two to four hour blocks of writing at a time, uh, and then the last two weeks out, and um, uh, I usually try to drop it now the the week of the first game. So I'm looking at about Tuesday, November 10th this year for the massive preview. Um, you know, a couple weeks out of that, I'm gonna really start writing pretty much every day. Now writing isn't me really writing per se. It, it's more maybe reading through what I've previously written and tweaking and, and thinking of things in a new way. But but I'm really putting a lot of daily effort into stuff about two weeks out. Ben Burroughs, the Rumbling Buffalo himself. You can check out that preview when it drops on his blog. And you can find him on Twitter at R-U-M-B-L-I-N Buffalo. Ben, thank you so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thank you, guys, and enjoy your Friday. Thank you. We'll see you out on the softball fields, Ben. Absolutely, Jake. Take care. See ya. So that was Ben Burroughs, uh, the Rumbling Buffalo, as we, as we like to call him, and part of his Twitter handle, part of the blog. And, you know, I, we, we mentioned it a little bit earlier in the show, uh, Jake, before you head out. He's got a BSN Denver event because he's cool. Um, you know, the, the one cool thing about uh, CU that we mentioned is it's not like a place like Los Angeles where there's so much attention given to the sports that people like Ben or, or, or James Lucas, uh, you know, the Goose, or, or Pal Buffnick over at All Buffs, you know, these guys are able to 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 kind of write and have a community and forum for it and that is it's awesome I, I really do love it i was talking to you about this uh and not too long ago i'm like it's crazy how easy it was for me to get a credential i mean just growing up in chicago and like you know i idolize the guys that get credentials and and, and you know yeah i've worked really hard for it and whatever but like it didn't take me as long as i thought it would you know i thought it would take me a long time before i get a credential and have this opportunity that i have right now to be working with you and be on Aww. air but uh you know r- realistically like there are there are a lot of people that care in Colorado basketball, but there is a lot of 
or in Colorado athletics in general, but there is a lot of opportunity for things to be said, and there's a community for them to be heard. You know, I started up my own podcast last year, and that got a lot of play in the CU community because people were interested in hearing more content about their Colorado Buffaloes because they do love their buffs, no matter how bad they are. It's true. It really is true. And, you know, Tortured Souls, I, I think the time is, uh, is finally coming. With 14 minutes left in the show, uh, you've got me, Andrew Hobner, uh, We'll be uh, wrapping up the rest of the show. And for those of you all of us guys that stuck with us, I'm happy you did because last week, Strap and I posed a question to you guys. We talked about the whole Joey Freshwater scenario and Lane Kiffin. And we posed a challenge to the all Buffs community because we knew how, uh, I'll just put it in the word popular, we knew how popular special teams coach Toby Ninus was uh, on the thread. And we put out an alias challenge. And, you know, it, it got pretty big last week. So. So I want to run through this as Shap goes out, then I'll probably spend the last 10 minutes talking a little bit more CU football. I'm going to go through some of these because they're great, and you guys are really, really clever, and I, I, I like these. Uh, Give a grown man a computer and nothing else to do at work, and they're going to yeah. come up with something. Uh, all right, the clinic. Uh, Lloyd Christmas was a good <laughs> That was a pretty good one. Um Ernie Paycheck, liability. <laughs> liability is a really great one. I I like that one. It's all about the. Uh, I love the wordplay. That's that's my favorite. Um, nepotism, which also is pretty solid. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to find ones that are relatively uh, PG for us to say. Safe on the to show. put on uh, FCC regulated radio. Yeah, for the most part. Basically. Nelson Riddle. Uh, this is a great one from from Dazzle Novak, Paris Hilton. Since he's looking at the accomplishment of the vastly more successful relatives, <laughs> oh my God, this, these are great. We're we're still going. We're still going. Um, still employed. <laughs> Not Toby Ninus. Doctor Kenneth Noah's water for those uh, fans of you two, you know, who enjoy Anchorman. Hammett uh, Brikowski. Yeah, and there's there's the meme that's put on all buffs of, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Well, kind of. It's all it's all perfect. Buff Nick's awesome. Oh yeah, it's it's all it's all great. Uh, let's see what else. D- Dwight Schrute, Skippy McDeadweight. Uh, Here's a good one. Chris Broussard. <laughs> that's a good one. That is a good one. Riggles McStarchild. Uh, you know these are these are fantastic. You guys are a lot more creative than me because <laughs> there is no way that I'd be able to come up with stuff that could. Noby Titus uh, from DBT. That's that's about all I got. But very very impressed uh, across the board with, with all of these, and it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. So uh, with Shep heading on out, any last words before you head down to the uh, big time Shep? Uh, great show. Glad I, uh, me and you got it done together today. We had a lot of fun. Thank you guys for listening. I'm sure Hobner will have a great 10 minutes talking and won't say anything stupid or ridiculous. Um, eh. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'll let you finish using that Snapchat. Oh, by the way, uh, I'll bring this up real quick because while we're like kind of in garbage time here, you know, uh, the other day at the Rockies Diamondbacks games, did you see the sorority girls all taking selfies? I did, and, yep. Why did they catch backlash? It was between innings. Why can't they take selfies at a baseball game? I'm the biggest baseball guy ever, and I'm in the press box taking selfies of myself. Well, there's there's a contingent of people, and I, and I kind of understand this, that you know think that as a generation, we're a group of kids that are pretty uh, we're pretty ego in a way. Uh, we just kind of 
we want everybody to know what we're doing at all times, and that comes in the form of taking selfies everywhere we go. Well, we're always having more fun than someone else. That's that's it's a competition of who's having the most fun. Our generation kind of goes by. That is kind of true, actually. But, but uh, I. I you know, let the girls take selfies if they want. They're out enjoying a terrible baseball game in September between Arizona and Colorado. Uh, it's in between innings. They're sitting in the outfield. They're not hurting anyone. You know, uh, Bomani Jones always says this, and I 100% back this motto. Let people have fun. I'm all for fun. Yeah. Don't don't. If someone's having fun, don't get in the way of it, especially if they're not hurting anyone else. Yeah, I agree with that. So with that, Shep, I'll, uh, I, I guess I'm not going to let you go. You're just going to head yeah, out. Yeah, I'm just going to leave. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was Jake Shapiro from BSN Denver, one of uh, my – Probably, probably my most apt co-host who, who sits with me, of course, Joe Paris, uh, is uh, – uh, Joe's, Joe's tied. We'll, we'll give it a tie. So the one thing that Jake said that you know I, I would like to wrap up with here is, is let, let the kids have fun. Let people have fun. And this past week, uh, a lot of people have been talking about Colorado football and hyping it up in a way that I, as a student, have never seen before. And I personally thought – it was great because even if the result isn't isn't going to be there, you know, this week has been fun. It's been fun looking at Twitter. It's been fun seeing the Folsom Frenzy push their product, uh, which is a raucous student section, which we hope to eventually have one day. Um, you know, they, the team, uh, the university pushed silver and black attack. They pushed the new uniforms. They've pushed a little bit of everything. And I think that's been great because even if the result isn't there, it's been fun. It's been fun talking to people. It's been really fun uh, interacting with with other students, with you know the All Buffs community and and everybody else who who has been around. And um, the game will be enjoyable too. I mean, the tough thing about this particular game is we really don't know enough about either team. You know, Oregon played. Michigan State, who is a stout defensive team in the Big Ten and historically have been a stout defensive team in the Big Ten, incredibly close. And yet they got blown out by Utah. And, you know, Utah is a very good team in their own right. I think they're a top 10 team. I'm not exactly sure if they're better uh, than Michigan State by any means. So Oregon, you know, the jury's still out on them. It's out on Vernon Adams. It's out on Jake Lockie, Mark Helfrich, uh, you know, the rest of the team, that whole defensive secondary trying to simplify schemes ahead of facing Colorado and Colorado you don't know much about either they they narrowly defeated CSU which was by all accounts a very good win they blew out of the building two teams they were supposed to blow out of the building which you wouldn't think much of it but it hasn't happened in a while and to see them take care of business like that gives you a little bit of hope but then of course the elephant in the room is Hawaii so you really you don't know much about either team and four weeks in you probably should you, you want to feel like you should um so Colorado is Colorado and Oregon. Who knows how it's going to turn out? I think I know less about this game than I did CUCSU. And let me tell you, I was I was thinking predictions. I was thinking how the game was going to go. But you know, at the core of it, you're you're really not sure because it's a rivalry game. You can kind of toss things out of the window. And while this isn't a rivalry game, you're still tossing things out of the window in in kind of the same respect. The good thing about Colorado though that I really like, and you know, the stats might be a little bit skewed, but 
the rush defense uh, for Colorado has been good, uh, at least compared to Oregon's. Oregon has 173.5 a game, 4.8 average per rush. Uh, Colorado letting up 4.1. Of course, they haven't faced anybody like Royce Freeman yet, um, while Oregon has faced uh, two pretty solid running backs, uh, Devontae Booker from Utah um, being probably what I would argue being the biggest one. And it's just gonna be uh, it's gonna be odd because Oregon is a team that you can usually name three or four players that have career potential in the NFL. Um, they've had guys like Deion Jordan, who well, you could argue bust in the NFL. He certainly can. Um, he was drafted third or fourth overall. He was a stud in college. Ifo Ekpreloba was one of the best cover guys in the nation last year. Um, John Boyette was an incredibly hard-hitting safety when he was with CU. Of course, you have uh, Casey Matthews, and this year uh, is DeForest Buckner. And yet there's really no one else. That that secondary is incredibly unproven. Um, while the coach speak is there, and the coach speak is often discussed about, oh, yeah, it's we're, we feel great. We want to get back at it. We want to get back into it. Uh, we as media and we as fans can never really know what's going on in those locker rooms. And most of the time we, we sit and think that, you know, we have some sort of idea, but when you talk to the players, you, know, you sometimes don't, um, in week two, the, the attitude wasn't great in the CU locker room this week. It's, we think we can beat Oregon. And that's a huge, huge change across the board. And it's something that I don't think I've ever heard uh, in my years uh, being a member of the media and talking to players at Colorado. It's it's pretty impressive to see that turnaround. And the turnaround of culture, um, which I attribute to Coach Mack, but I think it is in large part due to Jim Levitt. And Mack should get credit for, for what's going on and for the change. I mean, he... He stuck it out, and he cares. I mean, he really, really cares about this team, and it's something that you really got to appreciate that, you know, he's on the verge of tears when when he was losing games last year, and he was on the verge of tears when they beat CSU this year. And you can call it, you know, you can be jaded and say it's it's because of his job or, you know, he's happy, he's crying because he's, you know, keeping his job when Diego Gonzalez kicks it through the uprights. But he's a guy that cares. Um Rick George cares. This is a good time for Colorado. And like I said earlier in the show, while the CSU game was an impactful game for the wrong reasons of are we going to be a basement dweller again? Is Coach Mack's job safe? This is for all the right reasons. Can we get the big recruits? Can we get fan interest again? Can we be back on the national stage and achieve national relevance for a, a little bit, however brief a time that might be? You can write it off and say that Oregon's on the downslope, but you know what? Oregon's still a very good football team, and anybody who's telling you that they aren't is crazy. They're a good, solid football team, and even if they're not top five national championship CFP-bound team that we've become accustomed to, they're still good. I mean, they haven't had really a uh, what I would consider to be a bad season since they lost the Las Vegas Bowl to BYU, and that was back in 2006. This team has been good ever since then. I mean, that wasn't even a horrible season for Oregon. By Oregon standards, that wasn't a great team. That was a 7-5 and five team that when I watched them play against BYU, it looked like they had just sort of, you know, given up on the year. That was it. It was done. But they come back in, in the following years and become world beaters. So Oregon will always be a good football team. And, and 
I don't think that they're I don't think they're going to be on the way out in the sense of uh you know they're going to be hitting 500 again. They'll be 9 and 4, 8 and 5, 10 and 3, the way that they were uh right at the end of the 2000s. You know, the 2008 Ducks that beat Oklahoma State in the Holiday Bowl, really the first year that they started uh getting on this track it was with Chip Kelly in his second year as coordinator. Um you had Jeremiah Johnson, Max Unger, and Patrick Chung, Unger and Chung, who are currently in the NFL, uh, and they went 10-3, and finished at number 9, and that was back when USC was still really killing everybody. I mean, that was that 08 team was the year that uh, USC went on to beat uh, Penn State in the Rose Bowl. So I don't buy into Oregon really being on the way out. I don't, because on the way out to me signifies that they aren't a world-beater team. And if you had them as a world-beater team at the, at the beginning of the season, you, you can't say they're on the way out four weeks in. I, I, I personally just don't think you can. Maybe after a year when they lose big players, if you wanted to say they weren't a world-beater after Mariota was gone, yeah, you could easily say that. But to say it now, when you had them as a conference champion four weeks ago, I think that's a little ridiculous. I think it's also ridiculous if you're saying that Colorado is a basement dweller who can now beat uh, Oregon. I think that Colorado always had a little bit of potential to do this. Is this a long shot? Yeah, it is. Everything needs to go right for Colorado tomorrow. They need to. Uh, they need to really dominate in the pass game. Sefo, he needs a cortisone shot or whatever to make sure that that shoulder is going to be okay. Nelson Spruce, Sheafields, Devin Ross, they really have to take advantage of the secondary. The team has to ground and pound on offense. Brian Lindgren has to uh, adjust his play calling, be diverse as he's been in the past two games, not fall into the trap against Hawaii, and they need to be stout on defense. They need to take advantage of the fact that